0: This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The world's richest man has made a successful bid to purchase one of the world's biggest social media platforms. Twitter just accepted Elon Musk's $44 billion cash buyout offer. Musk has supporters and detractors on both sides of the political spectrum. To some, his acquisition is a good thing, to others, not so much. According to Reuters, quote, Musk, who calls himself a free speech absolutist, has criticized Twitter's moderation. He wants Twitter's algorithm for prioritizing tweets to be public and objects to giving too much power on the service to corporations that advertise. But the group Free Press has said that Musk's takeover is a huge step backward for Twitter. My guest is Nora Benavides, Senior Counsel and Director of the Digital Justice and Civil Rights Division at Free Press. Welcome to the program, Nora. Thank you so much, Sonali, for having me. So first, what is it about uh, this bid that troubles you the most, about the fact that Twitter will now be owned by the world's richest man?
1: Well, a number of things concern me. First and foremost, you know, I think we don't know what the future will hold for this Musk era of Twitter, but we do know what Musk's own track record has been when it comes to speech he dislikes and I feel that his ability to be an accountable steward for this huge community, uh, we're looking at 330 million users around the world, is shaky at best. He has a very long history of shutting down others when he doesn't like what they say. From his time at Tesla, uh, you know, he shut down an analyst on an earnings call because he felt that the company's, capital requirements were boring. Um, He disparages reporters regularly who critique him. He rallies his base of online bullies to uh, engage in harassment of others. And so there's a kind of, um, I would say, concern we have that he doesn't really adhere to the values of an open square,
0: which should be offering equal speech for all. And yet he claims that he is a free speech Absolutist? What does that mean?
1: Well, I actually think he really seems more of a kind of anything
0: goes uh, for Twitter future
1: CEO. I think that vision is one in which he imagines social media moderation of content will just happen. Uh, But it doesn't just happen by magic alone. It must have guardrails. And so his imagined future that Twitter will somehow uh, be an open and accepting square That has to happen very carefully through a number of things that would increase better moderation and enforcement on the company's service.
0: What are the main problems that you, that free press, your organization, really identify Twitter having now? I mean, Twitter is one of the world's biggest social media platforms, and yet, you know, we see misinformation rampant. There's a lot of digital bullying of of people of color. Can you summarize what you think are Twitter's most pressing problems? Sure. You know, we're facing a midterm
1: election this coming November. And with that on the horizon, I think so much about who will otherwise be silenced or have access to troubling content in the lead up to November. We know a number of things about what Twitter has done in the past. It has allowed content that would disenfranchise or dissuade voters from engaging in the electoral process. It has also allowed right-wing content to be amplified and engaged with uh, far more than other content. Uh, And so we're really looking at a platform that for each of us, may look different, and yet ultimately is promoting and amplifying and preferencing some of the most misleading, hateful, and extremist content. And so that means that in the lead up to the elections this year, there are a number of things Twitter must do. In the past, we at Free Press and through coalitions like Change the Terms have tried to work with and pressure Twitter to do more to make the platform accountable to its users around the world. I think now with Musk, there are three things the company should be doing. One is it should fix its algorithms and other systems that promote the most misleading and hateful content. Two is it should be protecting users equally, And that means whether you're in one place in Europe, if you're in Africa, if you're in the United States, regardless of where you live, the company should be making sure that it has robust measures and mechanisms in place and that it has enough resourcing across language. And then third is it needs to become more transparent about its amplification and its moderation practices. We're really still dealing with so much unknown about how the company operates, and we need to open up that black box.
0: Now, according to the, the Reuters quote uh, that I shared in my introduction, that was Reuters summary of Musk's position. It seems as though on the surface, he has some of the same issues that free press does.
1: I think that's a great point. And that's why I'm, you know, I think there's really a question mark as to what this Musk era will look like. Um, Not everything that he has put out on the table for his vision is something to bristle at. Some of it is deeply troubling, but other proposals and ideas he has are things that I know some tech ethicists and other communities might welcome. And so we have to be vigilant from a civil society perspective now is the moment to come in and to come together with a kind of solidarity around the things that must change at Twitter for everyone across the world.
0: Let's talk about the issue of of hate speech in particular. You know, there's a big misunderstanding, generally, even sometimes on both sides of the political spectrum, about what free speech really is and whether one has the right to spew hate speech, whether free speech, as it's understood in the Constitution, applies on a private platform like Twitter or not. We saw uh, former President Donald Trump's uh, Twitter feed, Really, uh, be a destructive force, not just on the national scale, but on the international scale. And we also saw that Twitter didn't apply the rules equally to him. They they held other people accountable for the same infractions that they allowed Trump for a long time to go, you know, unaccounted for um, until you know he until. January 6th, 2021, after which he was finally uh, kicked off of the platform. So when it comes to the issue of hate speech versus free speech, what are your concerns? A lot of people have said Musk's purchase of Twitter means that Trump will return.
1: Well, much of what Musk has said, that he hopes Twitter can actually adhere to free speech values, sound great uh, in theory. The question is how that will be implemented. Um, A private platform, of course, uh, is not adherent in the same ways that government might be to protect people and to do so in equal ways. However, to your point, part of what we know now is that um, free speech should not and is not the equivalent of free reach. And that essentially means that there are preferential ways many social media platforms engage to amplify certain users' content, to promote something that they know will bring eyeballs and engagement and profit. And that ultimately, because it has helped their bottom line means that they are fueling and fanning the flames for the most incendiary content that can include Donald Trump as well as other calls for violence, propaganda, conspiracy theories. And we're now in a moment where that is the content that gets most oxygen on platforms like Twitter. It shouldn't be that way. And so people who are otherwise marginalized or using a platform like Twitter to, as a lifeline of theirs to try to get information, should have access to credible information, not just the stuff that feeds the beast.
0: Right. So the 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 problematic content isn't just being allowed to sort of flourish. It's actually getting privileged right on on platforms like Twitter. It, It is. You're absolutely right, Sonali.
1: It isn't just that the content is there for anyone to maybe come across or to find, it is being promoted by these platforms. And that's because, know, for example, that's
0: because of the profit model? Because the more it can scare people, the more eyeballs it can keep on its platform and exposed to advertisers? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, we see in other instances, companies like Meta have given preferential treatment to content that is misleading and extremist. We've seen it in other instances across social media platforms where that content, it sells. It's compelling. It's controversial. It gets people to like it, to love it, to share, to comment. Meanwhile, there are then inauthentic behavior and other types of mechanisms like bots that help increase engagement on those types of posts. And so when we see it, we want to engage with it. Um, And of course, for the companies the more engagement, the more ad revenue, the more eyeballs, the money that they get. This is now a question for Musk. Uh, If money is no concern for him, how might he create a more equitable Twitter that actually is accountable to users? First, that means he has to fix the algorithms and he has to start promoting um, credible content
0: and stop amplifying the worst stuff. And if he doesn't, and this is the next question, we live in an era of such extreme wealth inequality that it just maybe 10 years ago would have seemed ludicrous for an individual person to have 44 billion dollars of disposable income and buy a giant company as an individual on a whim right uh if he doesn't What are the checks and balances? I mean, Twitter, once he buys it, will be his?
1: Well, Twitter going private to one single multi-billionaire feels par for the course for where we are. And part of what we are hoping to do is shift course, correct course. If we are building an internet and hope to build one that is more accountable to the billions of people around the world, it can't simply be that this company or that company is owned and at the whim of a single individual who might be bored and want to take on a new side project. Um, And that's where Musk's comments are so worrisome that he says this and then does that. He says he is for free speech, and yet ultimately his vision seems to really just let speech run wild on a platform. There really have to be careful considerations at play, and that means that whether it's Musk, others in high-level positions at Twitter have to be diligent in knowing that the online world has offline consequences that will affect Black, Brown, Indigenous, other communities of color, non-English speakers. The bottom line is no longer the bottom line just for Musk.
0: Will, I mean, how, how will Twitter be reorganized if, if a single individual is buying it? I mean, you know, when we, when you have Corporations with shareholders, there's some potential for uh, people to and organizations, uh, grassroots organizations to get a foothold and purchase shares and vote and try to hold those corporations accountable. But short of a sort of consumer boycott, will Elon Musk's ownership of Twitter uh, protect him, if you will, from more accountability? Well, that's an open question. Uh, and
1: certainly there was a Twitter phone call for all employees. Uh, a lot of the murmurs were that people within Twitter were fearful, uncertain, had no idea what would uh, you know, be their own future and what the future of the company would look like. And so as pundits and experts are weighing in with these hot takes, we have to wait and see what that will look like. But Musk shielding himself potentially then from anything, uh, we've seen him do it before. And whether it's with Tesla or his other ventures, he often sits at the top and picks and chooses what gets oxygen about his companies and his comings and goings. Um, That is the very root of the problem here uh, across platforms is the kind of preferencing of different speech. And so as we move forward, those are the efforts that we will be hoping to correct course on.
0: What does uh, free press suggest from you know needs to happen now from the grassroots from people who are deeply concerned about this? You know, there's uh, there, there's been a lot of fear mongering and there's already calls from people to say let's boycott Twitter, leave Twitter, shut down your account. Uh, are there alternatives to Twitter that are more accountable that have better protections, or is there any sort of potential for thinking about social media platforms like Twitter to become part of a a commons that are, you know, government owned or at least free for uh, free from corporate control? What are ways in which the grassroots can respond to this?
1: Well, at Free Press, you know, the transition to Musk's ownership of Twitter doesn't change any of our strategies or our organizing. In fact, it really just sharpens the need for us to double down on our organizing efforts that we have launched this month. Um, Just last week, we put together a brand new campaign with Change the Terms called Fix the Feed, which is calling on major social media companies, including Twitter, to fix their algorithms, protect people equally, and show us their receipts to be more transparent. For organizers, I think this means that they must join in and amplify those calls for accountability. The stakes are so high this year. And globally, we are seeing 36 determinative national elections around the world. That is huge. These social media companies are, in many instances, the place that people turn to for information. And so organizers can and have every right to leave, to boycott these platforms, but there will still be content that happens, speech that occurs. We know that the misinformation, disinformation, hateful content will continue to flourish. And so we are doubling down on our efforts to make these companies more accountable this year as we look towards those dozens of elections that will affect us all.
0: And so just to uh, hone in a little bit on fix the feed, the idea being the the feed you're, when you when you log into your Facebook or your Twitter account, the people who you follow or have friended, their posts show up on your feed uh, and how those posts show up, which ones are preferenced are determined by an algorithm. It used to be way back in the beginning. you would just get a straight. feed as somebody, put a post, it would show up on your feed. It was chronological. It was, you know, everybody was equally preferenced. And somewhere along the way, Facebook and Twitter realized that they could tweak how you saw posts to keep you engaged longer. And then that algorithm, as it's called, just got more and more complex, more and more hidden. Uh, and that, I understand, is what you're calling on them to, to fix, right? It is. I mean,
1: Sonali, I remember the days when, as you're describing, there were, you know, photos of your neighbor's cat or your yeah. niece or your nephew, or you could communicate, you know, in ways that felt like actual social media, to make it fun, to make it engaging. We're in a different moment now, and unfortunately, these algorithms have become so complex um, and such a black box. Sometimes even the engineers don't fully grasp within these companies how their algorithms and other functions, other systems on the back end are affecting users. And so your feed may be wonderful, Sonali, but it may not. Uh, It may be full of some of the worst content. It could be that you are getting ads given to you that contain misleading information about the election. Uh, This coming November or other content that you never sought out, but it's being shown to you because these companies are profiting from it and are ultimately mismanaging their own companies. They are being irresponsible to you and to me and to other users. And so Our call to fix the feed is really a broad call for organizers, for tech ethicists, for researchers to say we demand that these companies do better. They know how to do better. They have piecemeal shown us that when it is high time to be accountable, uh, for example, in the 2020 election period, we know that Facebook and Meta, was able to put guardrails in place for a brief period just a few days around that November 2020 election that helped de uh sort of quell and and de maximize uh the kinds of worse stuff and unfortunately then Facebook turned those mechanisms off um disbanded so much of their civic integrity team that's one example of what we ultimately then saw as one major connection to January 6. And so these instances help point us towards that the, the feed is not what we have sought out. It's not a place to engage with each other or to connect. It's a place for these companies to make money, uh, to get ad revenue, to be pushing stuff that is mobilizing hate and extremism and disinformation.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much, Nora, for joining us today. Give out uh, relevant websites for people who might want to find out more about the work you're doing.
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, first, always check us out at freepress.net. We are activating around a number of campaigns this year. Of course, number one is Fix the Feed, and you can check out that campaign at changetheterms.org. So thank you so much, Sonali, for your time.
0: That's uh, changetheterms.org, and we'll post a link to that. Thank you so much, Nora. My guest, has, for my guest has been Nora Benavides, Senior Counsel and Director of Digital Justice and Civil Rights at Free Press. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Are you With Sonali?